Hello and welcome to installment one of Hazmatician Chronicles. To kind of go over a little overview of what this particular podcast is going to be about is they're going to be pretty short and sweet, but Hazmatician Chronicles is basically going to highlight a particular chemical of topic for that episode or a chemical and a case study. Whatever the chemical is involving a case study and we have a timeline from when the initial units got there to whether they got it mitigated the incident involving the chemical or if unfortunately something went bad on the call and then we're going to discuss that. And again, this podcast is not to Monday morning quarterback what should have been done that the responding units you know, didn't do the right thing. It's We're absolutely not going to be talking like that. This is strictly a positive educational aspect of it, okay? But those case studies, when we do have them for that episode in particular, is strictly to learn from it. Again, not to second guess what happened, but to talk about it because if any of us are presented with that same kind of call, with that same kind of chemical, hopefully you can maybe say, okay, this is how they just handled it on that episode when they talked about it. And I'm looking at the same kind of thing. So that's the point of these podcasts here. The chemical of topic today is going to be dry ice. So what is dry ice? Well, dry ice is your solid form of CO2. So around Halloween time or any kind of parties where they have the bowl and they have that fog coming off of it, they've basically taken some pieces of dry ice, put it in there, and then poured water on it or whatever they put on it, like punch or whatnot. One thing that CO2 does is normally you have your different forms of the chemical. So the the chemical could be a solid form, it could be a liquid form, and it could be a gas form. Well, CO2 in solid form is dry ice. But what dry ice does is it sublimates. And when you have sublimation going on with dry ice, it means it skips a step of the physical change of that particular chemical. So dry ice because it sublimates, goes from a solid to a gas. So it skips becoming a liquid. With that said, the one thing we have to worry about with dry ice, because it is CO2, is oxygen deficiency. Now, CO2, a simple asphyxiant. And what we mean by a simple asphyxiant is it just displaces oxygen. So if anybody's involved in a call with that, we know that we have to wear bunker gear, we know we have to wear fire gloves, and we have to wear an SCBA. But on top of it, dry ice is extremely cold. Its temperature is negative 109.3 degrees Fahrenheit. And it converts to a gas at negative 78 degrees. So as it begins to kind of degrade and it hits that negative 78 degrees when it's exposed to air or if you pour warm water on it to get that fog effect, that fog effect is telling you that that dry ice right there where it's giving off that gas is at negative 78 degrees Fahrenheit because now it's converting to that gas. It's sublimating. So do we have to worry about if we're responding to a call, whether you're on a non-hazmat team or you're on a hazmat team responding to these particular calls? Well, let's just throw a little scenario out there. Just say you're responding to a, a factory and people not acting right, a couple people are unconscious, and as you're going to that call, you're getting these updates, and then you get there and come to find out, after talking to some of the workers at that factory, they're like, yeah, we brought in many, many pallets of dry ice, put it in one of the freezers because we have some perishable items in there, and we, we didn't want it to go back. Well, then everybody started kind of getting dizzy, getting headaches, a couple people fainted. So what is that telling you? Because it is an oxygen deficient environment, because that CO2 is displacing the oxygen. So how can we handle that? Well, if you have a line of sight rescue, get your bunker gear on, get your fire gloves on. If you have cryogenic gloves, whether you're on a non-hazmat company or you're on the hazmat team, get those on if you want, and then your SCBA. And then you can do a line of sight rescue, and then obviously if the person's unconscious and you just get them out of the area but they're breathing still, get them oxygen, get them to an ambulance and get them to the hospital for evaluation.
So why are we concerned with wearing our bunker gear and fire gloves or cryogenic gloves? Well, like I said before, the temperature of dry ice is negative 109.3 degrees. So it's not quite a cryogenic, but it almost is one. A true cryogenic is negative 130 degrees Fahrenheit and below. So that's a, a true definition of a cryogenic hazardous material. The other thing too is the thermal expansion of dry ice. So you got to think of it this way. As it's converting from a solid to a gas, it's obviously expanding exponentially at that point. So thermal expansion for one pound of dry ice can produce up to 250 liters of CO2 gas. So you have to think, if I have, for example, 50 pounds of dry ice and it begins to degrade and sublimate, well, 50 pounds times 250 liters do the math, and that's the expansion ratio from the dry ice solid form to now the gas that you have in the environment. So no wonder why that CO2 will displace the oxygen and create a oxygen deficient environment that can affect anybody that's around that doesn't have a, uh, a CBA on. The other thing too to talk about is the molecular weight. So we have to remember, molecular weight of air that we're breathing right now is 29. CO2 is 44, meaning it's heavier than air. So if anything's greater than 29 for air, then it's going to be heavier, so it's going to hang low around us. If it's less than 29, it's lighter than air, so it's going to kind of get up and get out of the area, all right, go up into the atmosphere. The immediately dangerous to life and health, the ideal H environment for CO2 is 40,000 parts per million. Now, in the future, we're going to have the Hazmaticians podcast, and one of them is going to be about monitoring, sampling, detection, things like that. That's going to be a future episode when we start getting the Hazmaticians podcast up and running. But to give you an example, when you have a change on your four gas monitor, your five gas monitor, you have to think when I have 1% changed, that means I have 10,000 parts per million of whatever the product is, right? So now we're more focused on the oxygen sensor of that monitor that you use in the four gas to the five gas. So if I have a 1% change in my oxygen level, that tells you that you have at least 10,000 parts per million of a certain chemical or whatever's in the atmosphere displacing the oxygen to make that oxygen level on your screen of that monitor change 1% down. So just keep that in mind. And one thing to remember too is when we see parts per million, that means gas. That means vapor, okay? So that's something in the atmosphere. So just keep that in mind. The big concern with dry ice is it's not flammable. So some people will say, well, why do I need bunker gear then? Why can't I just go in with fire gloves, cryogenic gloves, and an SCBA? Well, we want to protect ourselves fully. If that's a question that's in your mind is because bunker gear is going to cover my whole body. Fire gloves are going to cover my hands, obviously, cryogenic gloves. SCBA is going to protect my breathing because I'm going into an oxygen deficient environment. But because dry ice is so cold, that contact on my skin, hence why I need to wear bunker gear, can cause frostbite on me. So I don't want to have any kind of injury myself. Okay, so line of sight rescue, full PPE, SCBA, gloves, get the person out, and then you can begin rendering EMS care to them and get them to the hospital. Some chemical information about dry ice, the UN number for it is 1845. Again, the UN number for it is 1845. It is odorless. It is a white solid. And the main thing of the description of the chemical, we've already mentioned it, is the asphyxiation part because of the displacement of the oxygen. It is heavier than air, so it's going to lie low by you, all right? So the best thing you can do is after you, if you have any victims involved and you've already pulled them out of the environment and you got them in the ambulance and they're on their way to the hospital, well, we just can't leave the scene like that. So what you can do is open up the doors, windows, put a fan in the door maybe, and just get the fresh oxygen pushing in and, and do ventilation basically. And then obviously if you have that, that air monitor, four or five gas monitor, then you're monitoring the oxygen levels. And if you get it back to 20.8 on your monitor, then you are back to your normal environment 
uh, for oxygen. So it, it, it'll be safe for people to go back in. It's just a matter of those limited ventilation buildings that don't have fans, don't have any kind of moving air, really. Freezers are especially notorious for that. So if you bring in dry ice to a freezer, really no ventilation in there, that's where you might have that experience with uh, the oxygen deficiency. But you can ventilate it and get fresh oxygen in there and get the environment, the atmosphere in that building or wherever it is back to where it needs to be at 20.8% of oxygen in the atmosphere. So just keep that in mind if, if you're ever responding to one of these calls. And and again, oxygen deficient. So just be aware of that. And then we want to protect ourselves. We want to protect the public. And then we want to be able to get the building or, or wherever the dry ice was stored back to a normal level of oxygen. So if you're ever in doubt and you're on a non-hazmat team, if you're ever in doubt or you don't have that particular gas monitor for oxygen, get a hazmat team rolling. Uh, it, they'll just get there and they have multiple monitors on the team and they'll be able to supplement what you and your company are doing for, for the first arriving unit. So again, just you know, get the hazmat team on, on scene or in route and then you guys can take it from there and get everything mitigated. So hopefully you got something out of this particular Hazmatician Chronicles. And if you have any kind of call you had with a particular chemical, follow us on our Facebook page. All these hazmat podcasts, the Hazmaticians, Hazmatician Chronicles are going to be posted under our main podcast, which is Fire Department University, FDU. But you can message us on there. So if you have a particular call you want us to highlight or a particular chemical, share it with us. And and if you ran the call, we'd love to um, talk to you and, and message you back and, and hear how you mitigated it and, and things that you took into consideration and whatnot. Because remember, the chemical might be the same, but no two calls are ever the same. So but again, hopefully you took something out of this short and sweet little Hazmatician Chronicle episode, and we'll see you on the next installment. Thanks so much. Take care.